So if you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. And uh, there's this old story that I always find funny. And it's about a, a preacher who, <clears throat> he was new at a church and, you know, just started preaching there. Kind of a young guy. And he preached a message and it was good. It was a good message. And the next week he came in and he preached another message and it was the same message. And they were like, okay, well, you know, all right. Third week he comes in and he preaches the same message. And uh, everybody's like, oh, man, where's the elders at? You know, where's the board at? Where's the deacons at? Where are these leaders at? We've got to figure out what's going on. I mean, does he, does, he understand, does he not have any more sermons? Fourth week he comes and he preaches the same sermon. And they finally come to him and say, look, I don't really know what's going on. I mean, we, we, you know, brought you in to preach and stuff. And you just keep preaching the same sermon. He said, well, as soon as you start doing it, I'll preach another one. Sometimes uh, I think we need that sort of reminder, right? Uh, once you start doing it, then we can move on to something else. But uh, that's sort of what we're doing here this morning. I'm not going to be uh, real lengthy today. Uh, last week was a little lengthier, and, uh, and so I'm going to try to shorten up, and we have communion in just a few moments as well that we're going to share with each other. But I want to return to the subject of church. Uh, and so, but I'm going to go about it in a, in a somewhat different way. So follow with me here in Genesis chapter two, right here in the beginning. This is really connected to chapter one, uh, this part here, but we're just going to read the first three verses here. Notice these verses. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. That he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. We pray now a blessing on this word, and we pray, Holy Spirit, the very spirit that inspired these words would again inspire us this morning by the by the power that you have in you and that you can place in us, the power to save, the power of your grace, the power of your love and forgiveness. Help us to receive these this morning, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. What if there was a fitness center for the soul? You know... We're all about joining up. Come over here. It's $10 a month. You know, you can work out. Uh, Come over here to this gym. We can pump some iron for $35 a month, right? Get a membership, especially at the front of the year, boy. You talk about gym memberships going up. And they love the ones who sign up and pay for a whole year because they know you're not going to come. If everybody that was on the membership came, they wouldn't be able to hold everybody. But they are very sure, according to their statistics, that you're not going to show up a couple months and you're out. Uh, and that's typically the way our gym memberships sort of run, you know. But we feel like we need them and we want to do it. And we see somebody that on TV, maybe we want to look like them. So we sign up. But just imagine real quick with me. What if there was a fitness center for your soul that you could become a member of? Wouldn't that be awesome? I've got good news for you this morning. There is a fitness center for your soul that you can become a member of. It's called the church. It's been around for about 2,000 years. 
And many of the churches that are spread across America, just like many of the gyms this week that are spread across America, have many on the membership roll, but very few that exercise their faith. And that's a sad thing. Ambrose, back in the 4th century, way back uh, A.D., wrote that the Psalms to him were a fitness center for the soul. Imagine 150 psalms, 150 workout machines that we can pray through and we never even use it. This is the way, unfortunately, statistics show that people who consider themselves Christians, 46% of them don't even darken the doors of a church. Uh, That is troubling, my friends. That is troubling, my friends. And I don't want us to fall into that sort of Laziness and wrong way of living. Instead, we're called to be members of a church, members of his body, members of a nation that is beyond any one nation, a kingdom that will last forever. And that's something to be excited about. And we should be jumping up and down when we get a chance to come in here and pump some iron spiritually. Exercise our faith spiritually. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're here to do together. And you know how it is. If you don't have a workout buddy, you're probably not going to do very well. You have a workout buddy, they keep you accountable, right? And this is where small groups come in, of course. And this is where seeing your face ought to encourage others as they encourage you. Now notice, and and you know this more than likely, in Genesis there are some rhythms to Genesis and the creation story. For instance, in the very beginning here of chapter 1, you get on day 1, light. On day 2, you get the heavens and the splitting of water. You get on day 3, the earth and edible vegetables. Alright, those three days are really creating... Habitats. Because on day four, you now have inhabitants of the atmosphere, which are the luminaries, the sun and the moon. On day five, the inhabitants of the heavens and of the waters and of the earth, the fish and the birds. And then on day six, the land animals and, of course, humankind. So there's this rhythm. There's this back and forth. There's this interplay. There's this night and day. It's a binary code, really, within Genesis. Even when it comes to us, there's a binary code. Male and female in the image of God. It's rhythm. And, as you know, the universe is in rhythm. You don't have to watch the shows that I watched the other week to know that. You know that we are rotating, and our rotation is rotating... And maybe even we're rotating around some gravitational pull at the center of our solar system that we don't even really know what to call it. We don't really know exactly what's there other than some kind of gravitational hold. And then maybe even beyond that into the different solar systems that are even connected. It's a crazy thing, but it's in rhythm. This is why mathematics works. This is why you engineers have a job. Because God made the world where we can actually calculate things. It's not just random, but instead it is in a rhythm. Now what is a rhythm? Well, I looked this up because I like words. 
and I like to even know where words come from, which is the etymology of them. And here's, here's uh, just a simple definition of what rhythm is. It's a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. You know, we normally just equate rhythm with music. But it really could be a lot of different things in our life. I want to say to you that God is in rhythm. That doesn't just mean he's doing this number, you know. But instead, he has a rhythm, and he created a world that's within rhythm. And he even calls us to be in his rhythm. You following where I'm going with this? In other words, he not only has created processes and systems that operate in a way in our world through creation, but the church operates in this way. And we should not just be grooving to the rhythm of the world or of what the secular culture would have us grooving on, beating, you know, dancing to their beat of their drum, but rather God in the church has given us a rhythm of life, a way to live throughout the year, throughout the week, throughout. The day, And I want to show that this morning. Here's another definition. A regularly recurring sequence of events. Here's the way we talk about it in church. Here's the churchy word. Is liturgy. Liturgy is how we operate our worship service. What's coming next? This is the liturgy this morning. This will be the liturgy in just a moment. You'll see a pattern And if you look carefully, it's always this giving and this receiving and then giving back. Because rhythm does that. And God's grace is given to us. We receive it, but we don't just go hide it. Instead, we give it back. We give it to others. There's this rhythm. (laughs) So, in Genesis, you have six days where you have patterns. And you can go back and study it for yourself this afternoon. Just read Genesis 1 all the way up to where we were. That's one of the creation stories. The second one happens in the latter part of chapter 2. And there's a rhythm to each day. And then on the seventh day, God is silent. So there's noise, there's sound, and then there's silence. Six days of noise and sound, work, and a seventh day of silence and rest and worship. God sets a pattern from the very beginning in Genesis. And he expects that all the way through the end because even in Hebrews, the writer says, strive to enter that rest. That rest. Is your soul weary today? Has life been really getting at you, biting at you like some rabid dog? That's the way I feel sometimes. Just being chased from here to there, from there to here. And we need to rest in Christ. He provides a rest for us, a rhythm of our soul. And so, our heart, literally our physical heart, has rhythm, right? Just go ahead and check that. Make sure you're good on that, right? Check it here, check it there. Um, My little Blakely. You know, when she forms a fist, that's how big her heart is. So that, this, this is about the size of your heart right here, right? Just go ahead and put it in the, in the chest here. It's about your, and it's in rhythm. 
It's good to be in rhythm. (laughs) But more than physical rhythm, God wants our heart, which the Hebrew understanding for heart is the control center. Wherever the center is of who you are, that heart also needs to be in rhythm with God and with other people. That's what righteousness is. I'm using rhythm as righteousness. The right way to live. Remember Justin reading just moments ago that the wicked don't live right. But the righteous, the ones who are in rhythm, live by faith. Faith in God. Now, obviously there are things in our life that block us, our heart. And we call these blockages. These are where heart attacks come from. And in our own spiritual exercises, right? If we're lazy and never exercise our faith, we're also going to be blocked. Not by God, but by the world. The world clogs up our arteries. The very blood that flows through will be clogged. And the very life that God wants to pour out and truly is always pouring out. Just as Carrie said, we didn't bring God there. God is there already working with the ladies. He's already pouring his love out. You say, well, why am I not receiving? You're blocked. You've got blockages. You know, Chevy had that commercial way back in the day. Chevy, the heartbeat of America, right? What does your heart beat for? Really? Is it for money? Is it for fame or prestige or position in society? Is it just simply for yourself? Just can't get over yourself? Just consume with self? You don't have to live that way. I've got good news. You don't have to live that way. A few weeks back, I uh, I shared with you that Charter, who I long to have their internet, but unfortunately can't get it, uh, sends me periodically an envelope inviting me to their service, right? And I can't get that service. I've called them and said, hey, got another letter. And unfortunately, they sent me another one. <laughs> I want to say to you that God is not inviting us to something that he won't do. It's not an empty invitation. If you want freedom in Jesus Christ... If you want to start being in rhythm, not with the universe, but with the God of the universe. If you want to have his heartbeat, you want to care about the things that he cares about, live your life in a way that matters, that is possible, my friends. This is going into the garbage, but that invitation, you can take it to the bank. He is here and he wants to do what you need done in your life, and he can do it by the power of the Spirit. You say, I don't know if I can financially. If you're willing to exercise faith, he will come through for you. It goes against the mind. It goes against popular culture. But money, God says, look, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I already own it all. Just trust me. I will provide. Test him. See if he won't do it. Without these rhythms in our life, we drift. 
We drift. We just do. You felt it in your own heart. We wake up one day and we say, what happened? Why are, you know, even Jessica and I have to go through this in our marriage. We say, why are we not close? We start examining and we've gotten out of rhythm. We weren't going the same way. We weren't reading the same lines. And we were apart. Just like a cheap teen kids band that can't really play well together yet. They're not in rhythm. But boy, when you hear a symphony, even if you don't like that kind of music, you say, wow, how'd they do that? God wants to take our banging on the drum and put it in rhythm. You don't have to be a master artist. He can do that work. He does that work. It's funny that in, if you read the Cimmerillion for Lord of the Rings and you read the Chronicles of Narnia, you realize that both Tolkien and Lewis describe creation of Middle Earth and creation of Narnia as God singing it into existence. I think that's more accurate than some mechanical, boring, scientific way of seeing the world created. I'm convinced that because we try to be so scientific, we're very boring. The world is more beautiful than that. Look at a sunset sometime and just try to describe it in scientific terms. You mess it all up. Look at your wife or husband and try to describe them in scientific terms. You might get slapped across the face. You're not just a pile of atoms. You're more than that. You're more beautiful than that. It's because our creator created us. But we must be in rhythm. I've seen the world out of rhythm. I think you feel it, right? Things are not right. We know it. I mean, I, th- I think across political aisles, we can all agree and say, Something's, somebody's playing something off key. It's hurting the ears. This is not right. I've seen it in church. People get out of rhythm. Create disunity in the church. I've seen it in my own life. Where I am not marching to the beat of Jesus' kingdom, but of the world. The church has rhythm. (laughs) I don't mean, you know, just the musical rhythm, right? Some of you do, but some of you don't. And I'm in the don't category, okay? I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't have that kind of rhythm. But I know the church's rhythm, and it's very simple. And I want to invite you this morning that if you've not lived your life according to the church's pattern and liturgy, just try it in 2017. We're coming up on Advent Fast, which is actually the beginning of the church year. Not January 1, but rather the last Sunday in November is the first Sunday of the new year. Now, each of these readings that we do uh, each week together, responsively, come from what's called the lectionary. It's a series of readings based upon a three-year cycle. So next year, we won't be hanging out in Luke. We'll be somewhere else in maybe Matthew or John. And in particular, around certain seasons, there are certain verses and passages that line up with each other. It's a brilliant thing. 
It's been used in the church and patterned in the church for almost its existence. In other words, as soon as we finally see some documents coming from the early church, they're already doing some scheduled readings. So I want you to know that when we do these readings from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, this is straight biblical and lining up with our tradition that has been held for roughly 2,000 years. So we're following a rhythm. Now, as far as a church, we have our corporate worship, which is the Lord's Day. That's today. Now, again, the world wants us to see our week in terms of Monday's the first day, right? Wrong. Sunday is the first day of the week, and it's on purpose for that reason. It's the Lord's Day. Because on the first day of the week, the scripture says, the women came and found that he was gone, that he had been resurrected. And they went and reported it to the disciples. And from that day on, for 2,000 years now, there have been people who have gotten up and purposely, intentionally came to worship Jesus together. You're a part of something big. You're a part of something real big. And that's our corporate worship. That's our upward focus. But also, we have our personal devotional time, right? What we oftentimes call our quiet time, where we retreat. Maybe it's 20 minutes in the morning. Maybe it's longer for you. Maybe it's during the afternoon or in the evening. But we must be filled with the Spirit through reading of the Scriptures, through praying, and through being a part of small groups and accountability groups. And then we have our weekly small group, which is where we can actually reach out into the world, where we're in the community. We're not confined to some church building. Harvest Point never has been confined to some church building because we don't own a church building. The church is not the building, but it's the people. But the people must be in rhythm. Now, the rhythm of our worship, this comes from the Lutheran book of worship. Uh, the rhythm of our worship is from him to us, and then from us back to him. And the world, I'll add to that as well. We always are the receiving end first. Then we take it in. And then we don't let it just sit there, but we give it back. Back to him and back to his world. It's kind of like when you're on an airplane. You've been on an airplane before. Maybe you don't even notice the attendant, right? She's up there. He's up there trying to do his job with these little shows of, you know, putting the mask on. And what they tell you to do is look up, right? You look up. You wait for the mask to drop. But then you don't scramble and put it on your kid, right? They clearly, you know, I always watch this, okay? And, uh, and, and it's even a brochure that's right there in your pocket. Uh, you don't put it on your kid first, even though you're panicking, freaking out if that happened, right? You instead put it where? You put it on your own face, you take a deep breath, then you turn outward. I think that's a good rhythm for the church. We look up to God, we receive from Him, take a deep breath of His grace... And then, and only then, do we have something to give out to the world. You don't have anything to give to the world. I don't have anything to give to the world if we've not breathed deeply of his grace, of his peace, of his love. Uh, Maybe you could think of it, maybe this is more helpful for you, a radio. I have this radio in my garage when I'm working there sometimes that I'll turn on. You have to pull up the antenna. You know, whoever heard of that, right? Right? Most of our devices now, you don't have to do that. You just have something plugged into your ear. 
uh, but I pull the antenna upward so it can receive, right? These are our antennas. Raise them upward so that we can receive. And then once the box receives, that's the inward part, right? It then puts out the sound to the world, to my garage, to me. We're like that radio. We must have our orientation upward to receive of His grace so that then it changes us. And then and only then can we share that and broadcast that with the world. So, at Harvest Point, I want to be real simple and be real clear. Now, what we ask of our members, and you've heard me say this before, so it's not new news. All we really ask is that you do three basic things. That you come to church. You don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together. This is very clear in Hebrews. He says this. Then, that you're a part of a small group of people during the week. So, normally church takes about two hours. Small group takes about two hours. You can sometimes slip under that, but... Let's just say for all intensive purposes, it takes about two hours, okay? That's four hours a week, right? Now, I did the math on this, and you might have to check this math because I'm not real. That's not my specialty, okay? The highest math I took in college was math for ministry. (laughs) But here's my math. Four hours is .024.02. Of your week, percentage-wise. So that's taking the hours in one week, bring it down to the four hours, and then doing a percentage of that. Maybe you have something different you can tell me after church, okay? Don't embarrass me now. That's what I tell my students. If you have a question and I messed up on your test, just do it later, right? Not now. Four hours is not a lot of your week, is it? To be in rhythm... With the church. To be in rhythm with other believers. And then of course. The third component. Not just corporate worship. Small group worship. But personal worship. And you say. Well where are you coming up with this? Like you're just trying to put this up. No, no, no. (laughs) We do everything in Christianity by Jesus. Jesus had the multitudes. Did he not? Jesus went to the synagogue. And worshipped. In other words, he actually went to church. People talk about, oh no, Christians aren't religious. Go tell Jesus that. He was the most religious person to ever live. They knew where to expect him because his life was lived in rhythm. The rhythms that were established in the Old Testament that now overflow into the New Testament. Corporate worship to small groups, Jesus didn't just worship with the multitudes, did he? He instead had a small group that he ran for about three years until he died. That's the only reason that it it disbanded in a way was because they were sent out to multiply groups. He had a small group of about 12 men. And then, with even in the 12, he had three, Peter, James, and John. That he would take on certain things or talk specifically to them about certain things. I think that's a pattern of how to live the Christian life. Corporately, in small groups, 
and one-on-ones. And so you say, well, what about that personal rhythm? What do I need to do to personally get in rhythm with God in my devotional time? Pray, read the Bible, and then don't forsake assembling yourselves. That's it. I mean, that literally, membership-wise, harvest point, that's what membership is. You do those three things. That's not asking a whole lot of, you know, don't, it's not you have to do this and you have to do it. It's very, very clear. The scripture says this, evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. That's Psalm 55, 17. Notice the rhythm, evening, morning and noon, three times. This is why Daniel, in the book of Daniel, is found praying three times. Remember, they got him in trouble because why? They knew his rhythm. They knew what he was going to be doing. He's going to be praying at these particular times. Do your kids know what you're going to be doing? Does your spouse know what you're going to be doing? Do you know what you're going to be doing? Don't just wander through life. He can put you in a very freeing rhythm. In other words, this is not something that closes us in like prison or like a hardcore schedule. There's great freedom in Jesus Christ, thankfully. He doesn't tell us what time exactly. You have to have your devotions from 6 to 9. You have to wear this kind of clothes when you do it. Bow down this sort of way when you do it. No, it's great freedom in Jesus Christ. But it's not a freedom to do nothing. Reading of the Bible, it says this, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see, what if, see if what Paul said was true. Searching of the scriptures. Putting the bread of God, the word of God, into our hearts. And of course... Not to be the preacher who preaches the same message, but and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How can you love God and other people without the church? I don't think you can. What are we what is the conclusion here? What what is my my point of all this? Well, it's this. Continue to be obedient by gathering with believers on Sunday. Continue to be obedient by gathering in small groups. And that, the small groups look, look like a lot of things. It's not just one sort of way. It's a lot of ways to be in small groups. And then personally worshiping God. It's an upward focus. It's an inward focus. It's an outward focus. That's the rhythm of life. That's the rhythm of a Christian. This is the pattern that Jesus himself set up for us. So let's practice that this morning. It's not just an empty letter that he's offering to us. He's offering his power to assist, which means we can do it. Amen. Amen.